to the 50th episode of the Chem Lab. I'm your host, Nick, and this is my friend, Cass. Hey, how you doing? So recently, I've been going through the forums, and I found a lot of questions about atomic trends after we talked about columbic forces. Right, so if you didn't listen to the last podcast, which you probably should, just pull up and you can see the previous episodes. Columbic forces determine the strength of the nucleus and can be determined using formula F equals Q1 times Q2 over R squared, where Q1 and Q2 are the distant are the charges and R is the distance squared. So electron attraction or electron-electron repulsion. Right, exactly. So the smaller the distance, the greater the force of attraction of unlike charges and the greater repulsion for like charges, which is the basis for all periodic trends. So like magnets, the greater distance between two opposite sides, the stronger the pull to meet. And if you flip the magnet to the other side, the harder to stay apart. Right, and to talk about columbic forces, we have to talk about the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. The principle basically states that you cannot tell the position of an electron and its momentum at the same moment. To put it in a different perspective, you know the apps like Find My iPhone, right? Where you can track your friends and send them your your location. You know where they are going, but you don't know how fast or slow they're going to get there. Yeah, and as you mentioned last week about columbic forces, you need to know about periodic trends like ionization, electron affinity, atomic radius, and electron negativity. So ionization is the energy required to remove electrons to form cations. So there must be a greater amount of columbic force compared to the nucleus. Yeah, so ionization energy decreases down a group because the valence electrons are shielded by the core electrons from the columbic force. It's like adding more things in between a magnet. The things in between the in between block the magnetic or columbic force of the magnet or the nucleus. And the energy increases from left to right, and this is due to the electrons being added within the same shell. It's like adding more magnets around a a magnetic object instead of blocking it. If you successfully take an electron ionization energy increase by a large amount and continue to, as you take one more, the larger it becomes. It's like borrowing money, you know? Say that you're aluminum. You have three electrons or three bundles of money, and you have some more in your personal savings. If someone were to borrow these three bundles, you would provide an interest of, let's say, 10% to gain the money back. Now, if if they were to ask for more, you're probably going to have to take from your personal savings. And as a sensible person that you are, because you're drawing from your savings, you increase that interest by like 50%. But because everything has to be complicated, there's always exceptions, you know? If you were to look at ionization energies between lithium and sodium, you notice there's a huge decrease of energy. Why is that? In the case of lithium and sodium, adding more of the electrons doesn't mean more distance. So there's more nuclear attraction, and that's why there's such a huge, steep decline of energy, because the valence electrons aren't shielded like the other ones. And to add on to that exception, there's also the one between the elements nitrogen and oxygen. And to understand that, one, you have to understand orbitals. Have you talked about orbitals before? Are you implying that you don't watch this podcast? Have you? No. Yeah, I kind of figured. Orbitals are the S subshell, the P subshell, the D subshell, and the F subshell. They're groups on the periodic table. So like row 1A and 2A are the S shells along with helium. Right, and the P shell is a 3A to 7A and the noble gases. The D shell is the transitional metals, and the F shell 
are the 14 elements that are normally placed away from the rest of the elements. Orbitals are filled by electrons, and they fill in the lowest en available energy level. So they fill in the S subshell, then the P, up P subshell, the D subshell, and then the F subshell. Each orbital in the subshells hold up to two electrons. Yeah, you can remember the order in many ways. Yeah, but we remember it by stupid people die first. But I wouldn't go around saying it to random people or around random people. Yeah, you might offend them, honestly. No! Moving on before I get more sarcastic comments from over there. Each orbital in a subshell holds two electrons. And the S subshell has one or orbital, the P shell has three orbitals, the D shell has five, and the F shell has six. Seven orbitals, Nick. Seven. Whose podcast are we on again? F subshell has seven orbitals and each carries two electrons. So S subshell carries two, the P shell carries has six, the D shell has ten, and the F shell has fourteen. Yeah, so to figure out the orbitals for elements, you have to write lines for each orbital for each shell. You first fill in the lowest orbital with two electrons with, the, with things like arrows before continuing to the next period for the S shell. Now, you can fill in the rest of the orbitals, but each orbital has to be first filled in the same direction before it can go back and fill again in the opposite. So to fill out the boxes, you need lines for the 1S shell, the 2S shell, and the 2P shell. You fill out the S lines before filling in the other lines to match the protons and that the element has. The nit nitrogen has 7, so the S shell's lines both have 2 arrows before going on to the P shell lines. There's an up arrow to fill in the 3P three three P shell lines. But oxygen has eight protons. So when you fill up the when you fill the up arrow for the three lines, you add one more onto the first P shell P shell line by going down. Now that's another positive electron in close proximity to each other. And remember what we say in science. Like forces repel. So this addition and change in direction is not really wanted. And they'll give it up at any chance given. It's like you're a rich person. You're stingy with your money, but you have like $113 on hand. And who wants to have such an odd number? So when someone asks you for a dollar, you're like, what the heck? Here, now I have an even amount of money. And that's why there's a smaller amount of energy to take that electron. Yeah, and after that, there's also electron affinity. The electron affinity is the energy for a neutral atom to gain an electron and form an anion. So how likely it is to gain an electron? Energy is absorbed or released. So going left to right on the periodic table, electron affinity gets more and more positive because they are more likely to accept electrons. And going from bottom to top, it also generally increases in electron affinity. So the group 7a or 17 have the highest electron affinity values. The greater the distance between the nucleus and the shells, the less attraction there is. And when you go to the right on the periodic table, you add electrons, not a shell, so it's not shielded. And if you were to look at a graph of electron affinity values, you could see many peaks up for each element. So you notice that fluorine, chlorine, bromine, iodine, etc. are the highest peaks. Man, I don't envy that you can't show them a picture. Anyways, those halogens have the highest elect electron affinity because they want a full octet, but they also want to fill the last P shell. So the likelihood of them accepting an electron is actually really high. Yeah, exactly. It's like the money thing again. If you are a higher middle class, you are more likely to going to work harder or want a pay raise because you are so close to being rich like a noble gas. Yeah, exactly. 
And speaking of knowable gases, if you want to see a gas, you would notice that they have no electron affinity. That's because they're already, they already have a full octet. So they are good, they don't take any more money, and they won't give. They're solid. So like most rich people. I mean, come for them, why don't you? There's also the group 2A metals and like nitrogen. They also have like no electron affinity. Oh yeah, but those are for really different reasons. Like for the metals, it's because they have a full S subshell. So they don't want or need another electron. So like a middle class person, like we're in the middle, we don't always want more and we don't always want to want or will give money. Yeah, and nitrogen just has electrons or arrows in the orbital that go the same way. So they again don't want another electron because who wants something that repulses you? Like this girl over here. Hey Cass, what time is it? Um, it's like 8. Shameless advertisement time? Fine. Shameless advertisement time. Hey Cassie. What? I always wanted to draw an atom, but I really don't know how. Well then, Skillshare is an online learning community with over 19,000 classes in design, business, technology, and more. You're telling me if I wanted to know how to correctly draw an element with its correct atom, I can use Skillshare? Yes, you can. Skillshare offers high-quality classes taught by professional experts in their field. In your case, you can find a chemist in helping you draw an atom, and how atomic radius may help make it more realistic. Atomic radius? What's that? Atomic radius is a trend on the periodic table demonstrating how big the element atom would be. When going across a period, the nuclear force is increased, pulling its electrons toward the nucleus and making the atomic radius smaller. When going down a group, the outer electrons are being shielded from core electrons, decreasing nuclear force of the element and making the atom radius bigger. So what you're trying to tell me is, if I wanted to draw francium, I would have to enlarge the atom in comparison to like a fluorine atom. That is true, and your viewers can learn this and more on Skillshare. Skillshare is only $10 a month, but for the first 1,000 people using our code skl.shr forward slash chemlab, the first two months will be free. Be sure to try out this website using the link in our description and learn something new. It is now that time on the show, stress email. That's right, your viewers have been sending us emails while being in a predicament. And today's really fits well with what we're talking about. This segment goes to alpha1 at gmail.com. Dear Camlab, I have a chapter quiz coming up next Wednesday all about electronegativity. I kind of understand why as you can progress to the right and up, the ele electronegativity increases. Yeah, I... I don't understand why it does. Can you guys help me before the quiz? Damn, these kids are actually studying days before the test. Dude, I do this all the time, yet I still get bad scores because I don't remember anything. Nick, I think that was all of us. And electronegativity is surprisingly an easy trend to memorize, actually. It sure it is. When going across the periods and up a group from bottom to top, the element, the element's electronegativity increases. This, however, does not affect the noble gases, like the rich people they are. This is the trend because uh, electronegativity compares the amount of force the nucleus has to pull its electrons towards itself. It kind of factors in like shielding between the electrons too, huh? Yep, and this pretty much wraps up our podcast for today. Well, I hope you guys learned what you needed to know, but that's all the time we have. So Nick, we'll see you guys next time you guys are stressing for a test. Mm -hmm.